0: Hi, everyone. This is Sarah. Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. I am recording right now on my new podcasting equipment, which my wonderful husband, my very thoughtful husband, purchased for me. It's under the tree when I woke up this morning. And I have this like little poofy, like semi-circular thing that encases the microphone, which is really cool. And it's all set up now. And I thought, why don't I just do a quick little episode? Because I'm thinking about all of you. And I'm also remembering, I'm doing a lot of remembering, but I'm also doing a lot of staying in the moment. You know, it's it's hard to believe that almost nine years ago, this coming May, I surrendered to my disease of alcoholism. And it was really scary. It was really scary. And maybe somebody who's listening today is making that decision for themselves today. Maybe you're home alone and you're drinking and you're just feeling hopeless. And if you are, I'm really, I'm really sorry you're feeling that way. And I can identify with that feeling because. I once felt that way too. I felt lonely and alone, whether or not I was actually alone. I could be sitting in a bar and just felt very different from everyone. I just felt so incredibly trapped in my disease. I didn't really know exactly what was going on with me, except that I was not happy. I think I may have thought I was at times, and I do believe I was happy before I got sober. But over time... You know, I just continued to use alcohol as a numbing agent. I continued to use it as a celebratory elixir to make things more interesting. You know, and it, and it worked for a long time. But the last several years of my drinking love affair... Um, became more and more problematic, and and I knew I knew I had to get control of my drinking, and I did. I tried to a lot of different ways to control my drinking, and I failed at all of them. I would often go for several weeks without drinking, once I went like four months, or I would just quit during the week and get plastered all weekend, but it, at the end of the day, it always turned out to be something I just fell back into, like this dark, hole, bottomless pit I just kept falling and falling. You know, I take that first sip and it was like instant entrapment that I couldn't stop. And when I would get to a certain point, Maybe, if, you know, several glasses in, I would have a nice buzz and I would think, I've got this. I feel great. I'm invincible. I can handle anything. I'm feeling happy. I can do this. And then the next morning, I would wake up and, well, actually, no, I would wake up in the middle of the night realizing that I had succumb to the the uh, devilish voices of that bottle that just kept saying, drink more, drink more. And I would. And I would remember feeling so awful in the middle of the night realizing that I couldn't just maintain a two or three glass of wine buzz. (sighs) I would feel so frustrated. I would just be enraged with myself, but also so terrified because my heart would be racing. It sucked. It really sucked. And by the time I reached my very last day, I was, I was ready to ask for help because I just had nothing left in me. And I knew that one morning In May, early May, I knew that no person, not me, not my friends or family, nobody could figure out a way to make me stop or regulate how much I consumed. And I knew there was such a thing as AA, and I woke up one morning, and instead of thinking about getting through the day, managing through the day with a hangover, I woke up thinking, okay, I'm going to... Google AA meetings, and I found one that was actually going to happen that particular evening. It was a Wednesday at eight o'clock. And I went to that meeting. I didn't tell anyone. It was really weird. It was like the moment I thought that that might be a good idea, I was just like so relieved. It was like a weight had been lifted from my shoulders that I didn't know was on my shoulders so heavily for so long. Just that simple thought of going to an AA meeting. And all day long, I just held on to that thought. Like, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And I really, I knew nothing about AA. But I grew up being told about it. And I just, I kind of thought it was a place that you go to when you're at the end of the road. So in my head, my like cognitively, I'm thinking well this is this is the end of the road and the the end of the road for me meant that i would open my mouth and say i have a problem with drinking and i can't control it and i and at that meeting i I did say, hi, I'm um, Sarah, and I'm an alcoholic. And it felt really weird. <laughs> it was really scary coming from my mouth. Just hearing it. It just, I think I even like said it wrong. Like I I, I think I hiccuped over the word. And it just and didn't it felt foreign. But now it just like flows effortlessly off of my tongue. <laughs> I've said it countless times over the past eight and a half years, and for me, that um, this program um, it it did become the end of the road for me. And I'm and I am truly grateful because I had there was no other way. I had no I had no more willpower of my own that was strong enough to think of a different way to cool the jets on my drinking. And I was 39. I had three sons. Still do. My oldest was eight, seven or eight. And my two younger sons, I know some of you may know, have autism. Um more higher functioning. I don't even know if that's a term used anymore. I'm kind of over all those terms or labels, but you know, I, I felt, I walked into a room that held answers for me. And I was walking out of a dark pit. That dark pit of loneliness, despair, hopelessness, self-loathing, self-pity, selfishness, anger, jealousy, I was so cruel to myself and I know I was probably rude to other people. Oh, I know I was. I don't, I I take back the word probably. I was absolutely not a nice person to other people sometimes. Those of you listening who knew me, you know, as a kid or as a teenager, I don't know, you, you know, I was, I presented as a friendly person and i was innately i know i was born with joy but over time over all these years of drinking that joy was just sucked out of me and going to my first meeting sitting in a circle looking at all these people who were smiling and i had no idea why they were smiling. Like, why were they smiling over something that was such a curse? That's what I thought back then. But, you know, I'm so grateful I walked into that room. It saved my life. And I'm emotional right now because it's Christmas Day and every Christmas just gets more and more joyful, more and more peaceful and calm. And not thinking about myself like I used to. This this episode really, I want to dedicate to the people that are really struggling right now and are thinking should I consider getting into a recovery program? Whatever that might be, you know, is is your choice. I, I didn't know there was other options. I thought AA was the only option. Um, I'm kind of glad I didn't know there was no other options. I think that would have really overwhelmed me and it would have taken me longer to get to my bottom because this program really, really tackles the, the solution or the tackles, the, the issues about the why. And, you know, I didn't know why I drank so much. I knew I loved it so much, but then, you know, it turned against me and I had this, this, torrid love affair with it. I hated it, but I, I couldn't live without it. And I could not imagine living life without it. So I walked into that room and I was thinking, how the F do I live without drinking the rest of my life? I kept thinking the rest of my life, the rest of my life, the rest of my life. And people said to me, just think about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. And that really helped me. And I decided that day, you know, because I was welcomed with such loving arms. And I was told I would never have to feel this way anymore. And as I sit here in my humble little Recording studio. Thinking about where I came from. And where I am today. I just. Want to tell you. Just to give it a try. Give recovery a try. Because for me. I I thought I just had a alcohol problem. But I didn't realize it, there was much more to it. And now I'm, I'm 48, and <clears throat> the years, the days I dedicated to staying sober have added up to something really, really, really beautiful. I know how to take care of myself now. I'm free of fear. It comes up because I'm human, but I know how to handle it. I know what I need to do when I'm faced with fear. And that's help other people. And that's why I started this podcast. I wanted to give people the opportunity to share their experiences getting sober. Because I know how wonderful wonderful it feels to to share that transformation with other people, because we have been we have heard stories of transformation. and we I know for myself whenever I would hear a story of somebody transforming, I would. I would say, oh my God, that's my story. That's my story. That's me. That's me. How are there all these people just like me? Sobriety is is um, the best thing that's ever happened to me. close second actually to my husband and children but for a while I really I mean I still do I have to put my sobriety first because everything else falls apart if I don't put my sobriety first and it's really easy as a human I complicate things and I complicated the shit out of everything There's so many gifts in sobriety. Healed relationships. That's one of the biggest things. Healed relationships. And others, unfortunately, some have, you know, gone away, but I've learned what kind of relationships work for me and um, I've learned about boundaries in relationships I've become a better mom I'm sure my sons might (laughs) disagree in the years to come maybe not I don't know but I'm really glad that I've given them a sober mom these past eight and a half years. And I'm really, really grateful that I can give them and my husband, a sober mom and wife the rest of my life one day at a time. I was raised in the Episcopal church, so I'm Christian. And I don't believe that that's the the religion for everyone. You know, there's so many religions out there. But for me, I do believe that I was absolutely born again. I wouldn't call myself a born-again Christian. I think I would say I'm a born-again human with tremendous faith in a higher power that is protecting me. And I believe that my children each have their own higher power. I believe we all have a higher power. I had one from the moment I was born and I didn't really know it some might call higher power God I do I call it God just because I I really can't really describe the experience the relationship that I have with my higher power it's like just it's love it's source it's intuition it's just love. It's like all the goodness that flows throughout the universe. And the more I live my life sober, connected to my higher power, looking for ways where I can be useful. To, uh, to God's children. The more I do that, the more beautiful things happen for me. And I don't—I don't mean like I get more money or I win a car or win the lottery. Um, did I say that twice? It's not that. It's not material stuff it's inside stuff which is fucking amazing to be to be relieved of the obsession to drink to get to wake up every morning without a hangover and then go out into the world fearlessly and honestly do my best to be a good human it just to be honest with you that more beautiful humans come into my life <laughs> especially during this year 2020 I know a lot of people are saying oh can't wait for 2021 2020 sucked yeah it was really weird year. It's been a really, like, no one could have thought this up. Well, maybe some people, but, you know, I believe really that how we respond to situations really dictate the reality of the situations in our lives. So, this year I felt tremendous growth in my spiritual life. And that's because I wasn't afraid to do things, wasn't afraid to open my heart, wasn't afraid to let others love me, wasn't afraid to answer the longings of my heart. I've made some amazing friends and they don't even live near me. So if you're listening right now and you're deciding on what to do with your life, I'm just going to tell you that when I decided to quit drinking at 39, it was the best decision I made to change my life in the most miraculous ways. So I want to tell you that I believe in you and I know you can do it. I know you want it. I know you want a better life. And I know you might think that it's not the alcohol that's making problems in your life. (sighs) That other people are maybe pointing fingers at you or nagging you or controlling you. You feel like you're a victim or you've been traumatized. I won't. I won't downplay that, but you know what? Even in the midst of living in sobriety, knowing that I had experienced trauma and knowing I, I can recover from trauma, I no longer play that victim role. The trauma is no longer mine to bear I've survived it, and I've let it go like trash. And it's opened my heart up in the most beautiful ways. Merry Christmas, everyone, and give sobriety a try. I love you. Sober Gratitudes is a podcast dedicated to spreading the hope in long-term sobriety. It is an inclusive show that does not represent or promote any specific programs of recovery. When my guests and I share about what keeps us sober, we are referring to exclusively our own unique experiences. Our goal is to provide inspiration for others who are struggling with addiction-related disorders and want to get sober.